This is episode 2 Alpha of Free as in Freedom for Tuesday, May 29th, 2012. Hi, I'm Karen Sandler. And I'm Bradley Kuhn. This is Free as in Freedom. And uh, we're sort of, uh, we've been calling this the special episode. This it's, is a special episode! It's not, it's not really special. It's only special in the sense that it's uh, being released only one week after the episode 2-9. That seems pretty special to me, but it's also we've got a special topic. That's correct, because uh, there is an announcement that's come out today uh, regarding uh, Software Freedom Conservancy. So, because that's my day job. I wanted to talk about it on our pretty night exciting, job. yeah, and uh, it's my uh, night one of my night jobs. No, it's your volunteer work. As a volunteer, yeah. yep. So it's pretty exciting. Do you so uh, want to spill the beans? Well, yeah, I think I think that people should definitely read the announcement uh, that's on Conservancy's website regarding it. Uh, but the general idea is simply that uh, we've expanded the number of copyright holders and the projects that are involved with GPL compliance activity that Conservancy is doing. Uh, the Samba project, which has been a member project of Conservancy basically since Conservancy's beginning. Uh, I still can't, I can't find in the record, figure out in the records whether Wine or Samba was the first Conservancy project, by the way. I, I really want to well, figure that out. Do you remember, actually? I, well, I remember, but actually, I, I think they were both talked to at the same time. Right. And I think, I think think Samba's paperwork came in first. Okay. So But it's definitely they were basically the same. Right. So Samba is one of our first two member projects and historically they had done their own compliance activity that Simo had led and he's still going to be uh, directly involved in working with us. Uh, but they've decided to work directly with Conservancy and have Conservancy in the same way we've handled uh, GPL compliance activity for Busybox, we'll be handling it for Samba. And in addition, Conservancy I was going to say not just Samba Right. In addition, uh, Conservancy has created uh, the Linux GPL compliance project for Linux developers to join. And they can, as a copyright holder in Linux, join the initiative and will be doing GPL enforcement on their copyrights. To be very clear, this is not Linux joining Conservancy. That's, I want to be abundantly clear about that. The Linux project as a whole is not joining Conservancy. What we've done is create a special type of project inside Conservancy just for right. copyright holders who would like Conservancy to do compliance activity for Linux on their Because the Linux project isn't affiliated with any organization. I think that's correct. Um, yeah. Kernel.org is is sort of a non-profity kind of thing, but that's primarily just for the hosting of right. the of the websites and Git repositories and FTP site for, for Linux. Uh, and obviously there are close ties with the Linux Foundation for Linux, mm -hmm. uh, mainly because Greg KH and Linus and a number of other uh, Linux developers work there and because they're sort of a trade association for uh, many different companies interested in Linux, but it's it's. I think you're right that Linux is not contained in any specific nonprofit. There are lots of nonprofits involved with various different yeah. tangential parts of Linux, and the conservancy so, involvement will simply be another to do little piece, another piece, another small piece, yeah. merely for those copyright holders uh, who would like compliance activity that conservancy is doing to be done on their behalf. You know, I don't even know how many copyright holders there are in Linux. In Linux probably thousands. Yeah. 
so we have a few to start, and uh, I, and I've actually said this in in uh, in some of the press interviews I've given. So this may appear in the press that, in fact, I I quite admittedly did it somewhat haphazardly. We just talked to Linux copyright holders who had mentioned us in the past, having an interest and those sorts of things. But now that it's been announced publicly, uh, there's an email address in the release compliance at SF Conservancy, and if more Linux copyright holders would like to get involved, they can. We we had enough of a core group who really wanted to do it that we felt right. we were at a point we could announce. And obviously, anyone who holds uh, copyrights in Linux, individual copyrights, that is, uh, are welcome to join. Uh, we did think about having companies involved, but we basically decided as a charity it wasn't appropriate for us to do enforcement on for-profit corporate copyrights. Mm -hmm. we're, we're only going to be doing enforcement for uh, on behalf of individuals who want to see GPL compliance to benefit the public good and benefit the public's access to source code, uh, because that's sort of what Conservancy is about, is getting the public more access to free software. Yeah. And that's what our compliance activities are centered around. And then there's one more piece of the press release, actually. Yeah, that's correct. There, there are a number. And we'll come back and talk about some all this stuff in yeah. more detail. So um, the the other piece is is simply a, a showing of support. So so conservancy uh, uh, folks, obviously, if they listen to the songcast, they know uh, more than likely that there was some kerfuffle and. Uh, arguing stuff going on in the community in the, in the earlier part of this year in 2012 about Conservancy's compliance activities and there were people making comments and so forth and so one of the things I did as an outgrowth of that is is, is really went around and polled uh, uh, Conservancy's GPL and LGPL projects and asked about their interest in what Conservancy does in compliance and how they felt about it and actually what we had was an overwhelming show of support from many of our GPL and LGPL projects who actually said, not only do are we okay with it, and that Conservancy is doing it, but in fact, if, if it ever comes up for us, we would like Conservancy to do the same thing you're doing for BusyBox and Samba and, and Linux and so forth. So uh, the, you'll see in the press release, there's a list of projects. Uh, I'll just read them off here. The Evergreen Project, Inkscape, Mercurial, Sugar Labs, and Wine all, all uh, gave Conservancy basically a statement saying, we don't have any compliance issues that we see out in our communities. From our knowledge and all those projects, uh, they're all being used and redistributed in full compliance with the relevant licenses. Uh, but if there were to be a compliance issue, uh, those projects have basically told Conservancy that they would like Conservancy to engage in compliance activity if it becomes necessary, although it's not necessary right now. Yeah, well, I think this is huge news. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I it's funny because I'm so, I'm so bad at, I'm so bad at PR and that I feel like it's not really huge news. I think you're it's, not, it's, you're it's, not bad at PR. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of, uh, sort of undercutting the, I'll the, just the say messaging. One of, well, I, I was on a, you know, as an officer, I was on some of the email threads that went back and forth about the discussion of the press release on this. And, uh, somebody said you sounded like you had, um, had press training. Um, yeah, I, I did, um, but, but, uh, I, I did, I did not actually. I, I did see that, that somebody said that. Yes, but you do not yeah, have press yeah, Sorry, I, sorry for our listeners. I, I was, I was insisting Karen not have her hands in front of her mouth when talking in the mic, but it probably made no difference whatsoever. It made no difference. It made less difference than you speaking away from the mic. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> Anyway, so that was the, the little uh, the little bump there uh, in the recording. But uh, the uh, I, I mean, I I certainly don't don't like to just sort of put a lot of spin on stuff. 
uh, and that sort of thing. I admitted uh, in that thread, I admitted that I, that I've watched a lot of Meet the Press, and <laughs> to the extent to which I'm any good at PR stuff, it's it's from years of watching uh, Tim Russert before he died, and now uh, David Gregory sort of ask question after question, and, and these people being able to carefully keep themselves on message. So I'm good at being on message. That's certainly true. But from my point of view, that I don't, I'm not trying to play this off as like this is huge news. This is incredible news. I think it actually it's, it's, it's is an huge important news. issue, but it's not huge news no, in my I, view. I think it's huge news because I think that people think of GPL compliance and they only think of BusyBox. And I think that because it's been this way for a long time or because BusyBox has been the the project with the most visible enforcement for so long, I know from, you know, from all the interactions that I've had, for example, with, um, you know, with like talking to in-house counsel and people at companies, that becomes a real part of their analysis. And I've had, I've said this on other um, earlier episodes of our show, but I've had a lot of general counsel types come up to me and say, we're so glad that there is enforcement because it allows us to make sure that our companies take these licensing issues seriously. And they, they don't otherwise. And, and because of the way that it had been for so long, I think people had started to think, well, just don't use BusyBox. Well, yeah, and that's what the big argument that happened was this sense that, that somehow BusyBox uh, was special in this regard. I never felt it was so because obviously I coordinate and, and communicate a lot with those who do GPL compliance activity around the world. And Howard Velta, in fact, he would admit he's been more litigious uh, than conservancy. I've, I've said that one of my uh, one of my uh, first and perhaps only disagreement with Harold was how quickly lawsuits ought to be filed. Harold wanted to sue people much more quickly than than I was willing in, in, to, to do. And so he's been doing compliance activity in Germany uh, with regard to Linux copyrights uh, for almost as long as, as I've been doing it across the various organizations. Organizations I've done it with uh, over over the years, and uh, and FSF, uh, where I used to work, uh, continues to do its uh, enforcement and, and compliance activity on its copyrights. And so I always felt that there was there was some amount. I always wanted there to be more enforcement and more compliance activity going on, but there was always some going on in multiple different places. Uh, and uh, I think what happened was maybe 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 I was good at PR, and BusyBox became the forefront of compliance activity in the press, and then well, people started to feel that BusyBox was the only one, and, and that's not true. Most cases were, you know, more of them made it to court. Um, that's probably true, but but when you compare it uh, to the the court cases in in Germany, there, there's still been more court cases in Germany than there ever been in the U.S. regarding GPL compliance. And I think they get a lot of attention outside of the United I mean, I think, you know, every conversation that I've had about compliance outside the United States, those cases have been a real focus of the discussion. The, the German cases. Yeah. yeah. But it, in the United States, it's the U.S. cases that yeah. are relevant, especially to U.S.-based companies. And, and but this, this gets us to a good point that I, that I definitely want to talk about is, is I think a lot of people will read this announcement and say, ah, so conservancy's ramping up for lawsuits. And I, I, that's not the case in my point of view at all. I, I still feel the way I always have about lawsuits, which is particularly in the United States, they are time consuming, they are expensive, and uh, they are unpredictable and uh, complicated. And compliance with the GPL is actually none of those things. It's easy. It's it's not trivial, but it's also not hard. Mm -hmm. 
and it can get done in an easy fashion, in a collaborative fashion. And the outcome of it ought to be that folks are excited about doing more work with free software. And that's the type of compliance activity Conservancy has always been focused on. Yeah. Um, and this came up in, in one of the journalists I've been talking with uh, in preparation for this is that it's the, the lawsuits become this tip of the iceberg that everyone sees. And, and it's a bad analogy because in fact, the rest of the iceberg isn't that threatening. It's all good stuff happening under the water and everybody He's in agreement and friendly. It is a weird, weird it's the wrong analogy. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, I'm no, bad but, at press. But every, <laughs> but every, every. You're, I mean, every compliance action that I've been involved with, that you know, with with any organization or project, um, you know, I, almost I, actually everyone that I've been involved in, e, involved in, even with um, for-profit companies, have been friendly. And it's really taken a lot to push it to litigation. And I think people don't realize that because all the friendly stuff, the hey, we noticed that. You know, you're selling this product and there's no offer for stores. You know, all that discussion happens quietly because you don't want to embarrass someone who's going to, you know, go ahead and do the right thing. And you want yeah. to be friendly and helpful and that way more folks will get into compliance over time. Um, but when there is a lawsuit, people sort of sit up and take notice and then all of the, you know, the countless hours logged trying to get friendly compliance doesn't, you know, it, it, no one pays attention to that anymore. It's true. Um, and because lawsuits are by the nature dramatic, it's why half the television shows uh, on television have something to do with litigation, <laughs> basically. I mean, it's, 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 a drama it's dramatic by its nature, and, and, and people like to watch it like sport. It's dramatic, but it's not... Um, I just want to say for anybody here who's thinking about going to law school based on the dramatic, exciting nature of it, that the actual... Almost every part of really being in a real case is really boring. Yeah, I, and I think that's true. And, and that's the interesting thing is that is that that's why conservancy does GPL compliance. Uh, people uh, have focused on compliance activity by conservancy because it's been cast as salacious and, and other things by others and mostly by people spreading FUD. But the fact of the matter is, is conservancy's mission is effectively do stuff that's boring for free software projects so the developers can focus on code. And compliance is one of those things that's boring when you get down to the details. And I'd rather see free software developers signing an agreement with Conservancy so that they that we can take care of doing the compliance activity and they can go back to writing new software and new exciting stuff. That's been the motto of Conservancy from its beginning, really. Almost, yeah. To do this stuff that... Yeah. Uh, the boring stuff that developers don't really want to do, and compliance activity is part of that. Uh, but I, I, but I mean, I, th I think that the what's what's happened basically is conservancy has become this central location where people feel like they can get that kind of stuff done. Yeah, get the boring stuff done, and that's that's actually why we created this special project for this GPL compliance project for Linux developers, because while Linux is not a member project in the traditional sense with conservancy. Mm -hmm. There was really a need. There were Linux developers who have been talking to me for years saying, "I and, and you'll see Matthew Garrett uh, quoted about this in, in the actual news release. He, he's been saying to me for years, I really support what Conservancy's done to get compliance for BusyBox, and I'd love to be more involved. And basically, we created a way for folks like that to be more involved, who are Linux copyright holders who would like to see Linux copyrights taken care of and, and stewarded in yeah. that way. Well, also in a way that you, you know, where you're confident that all decisions will be made collaboratively a way, you know, using an organization that's a nonprofit that's focused on promoting free and open source software generally. 
So, you know, having, being conservancy as the, you know, the conservancy being the organization that's is stepping up to do this makes a, a lot of sense. And it's, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm really glad that you're doing it. Well, I want to pick up on one note you just said about, about collaborative nature. Uh, so, so Eric Anderson, uh, who's done a lot of the, I've done a lot of enforcement and GPL compliance work with over the years. Uh, he, he's, he's really a hands off kind of person on this because he doesn't want to do the boring work. He's busy doing other things and he's really, asked Conservancy, just he's like, just take care of it. I don't need to know the details. Uh, not every developer feels that way. And one of the things we're going to do as we expand who we're working with is we've created email lists internal to Conservancy where uh, folks can be involved uh, with uh, decision making about strategy and so forth. And, and all the copyright holders who have signed agreements with Conservancy have access to these mailing lists to talk with, with me and with our legal counsel about what's going on. And, I have to admit that I, I have a feeling I'm going to get some unsubscribe requests really fast because people will be like, just take care of it. I don't want to deal with this mess. I was going to say, if you, it sounds but, like the kind of thing that you want to be actively involved in. And then when it happens, it's sort of like, oh, but, but you this, know what I want. Just get it done. Yeah. But this is going to become a staple of conservancy. These lists will be there for folks who want to be involved and want to and want to give input and, and say, well, this is the way I think we ought to handle this compliance situation. This is what I think we ought to do. Uh, I, I do expect some unsubscribe requests, but there are, there are people who get into it and, and I would expect. And, and we have such a diversity of people now. There's so many people involved because uh, the, the, all the lists together, I think there's 25 or 30 subscribers when you add the BusyBox Samba and Linux lists all together. Oh. And, um, and so there's... A lot of people who will be interested and have input, uh, and obviously the, the conservancy staffs on those lists as well, and, and so forth. And so, so I think I think that's going to be a big opportunity for collaboration. And 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 this this whole notion of people is really answering one of the criticisms I heard. I, I took very seriously when people were complaining. I I, I, tr I actually had this great phone conversation with Dennis Levzenko, uh, who's uh, who's currently the BusyBox maintainer, and he said, "Well, when you hear it, he this is a, this is a thing a lot of geeks do very well." And he said this thing to me, he said, he said, when we hear people complaining, you know, some of the things they complain about make no sense at all. But that doesn't mean that in the middle of that email, there's not something that's, that's valid. That something they said is really mm. valid. And, and he was really encouraging me as I read all this FUD that was out there, like, like, look for kernels of truth. Like, and, and one of his points was, I don't want BusyBox to be alone. And a lot of people are saying BusyBox shouldn't be doing this alone. And so, so while a lot of things they're saying are totally wrong, that point has some real, uh, real, real useful feedback in it. Right. And that's really what we're doing here is we're answering that piece of useful feedback. The folks said, well, why is it just BusyBox doing enforcement? And, and the question comes up, is it just BusyBox that wants to do enforcement? Well, the answer today is that there are lots of projects who want to do it and the ones that are actively infringed, namely BusyBox, Samba, and Linux, which frankly most of the Compliance problems are on one of those three projects these days. Mm -hmm. uh, they're ready to do it right now. And then there's a whole list of projects that say, well, if this ever came up, we'd want, we'd want something right. done about it. So what this announcement, I think, really shows that there's a broad coalition in the community uh, that wants to do this with Conservancy and is, has confidence in us as an organization, which I really, I really appreciate how this has all gone because I, I feel like there's a lot, there's a really good vote of confidence for Conservancy's work. Yeah, I think so. And I want to also underscore something that you said before, which is that I, I think that there's something real about the ideological drive to create free and open source software that a lot of people have been sort of questioning 
um, recently. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion, both within the, the GNOME um, mailing lists and, and elsewhere, about how important are the ideologies, are these these principles of freedom to what we're doing. Um, and of course, you know, our listeners know that you and I are deeply committed to the, you know, the principles behind free and open source software. But I think that, um, I think that there's been a lot of questioning about that, especially as more and more companies get involved and, in, you know, all these things that we've been talking about over and over again and, and listening to Richard Fontana's talk the, during the last episode. And I think that this sort of, you know, underscores the fact that if, that if you don't enforce a copyleft license, it is basically the equivalent of a permissive license, effectively. If you're not enforcing, if you're not um, asking folks to really comply with what the license says, then at the end of the day, you may, not, may as well not have used it to begin with. And I think that um, what's really important about this is that is that it shows that there really is a dedicated core in the free software movement, and that shouldn't be ignored. And having this come out now, I think, is a really important. I, I think it's a really important timing, and I, I, you know, this is why I think that it's so valuable because it's really, it's a, it's really a shot for freedom. Mm -hmm. I, I appreciate that. I mean, I, it's, it's funny to say it's good timing. I feel like we're we're very behind. I've been wanting to make this announcement for some time, and it's mainly been because it's it's I'm dealing with free software developers on a daily basis, so it's a cat hurting problem, uh, you know. And, and things as as annoying as hey, did you send me that paperwork you're supposed to send me? Uh, it takes forever with developers. Everything. And, I mean, I'm so. shocked at how long everything takes to do it. Everything takes a long time, but what, but I mean, what I mean was, but right now, I mean, I I think I think a lot of folks are questioning. You know, where, where are the principles in free software and have they gone? And I think the answer is they have not. Yeah, I think I, I think I agree with that. And I certainly believe that, that the folks that we're working directly with, I, I think really do feel that way. Uh, some people might ask, uh, why I haven't just li been rattling off lists of names. I, I, we made a decision and you actually, when this uh, recording comes out, you may see comments and blog posts from some folks who are affiliated. I made a decision basically because because it is developers and I know developers are busy writing code and I don't want them to feel like they have to go out and do press and go out and answer questions. Mm -hmm. So what I told everybody was I said, you have every right to blog about this, say you're affiliated, say you've got involved with the compliance efforts at Conservancy, but I basically asked two people to to speak up on Conservancy's behalf, and that was Jeremy Allison, uh, who's both a, a co-founder of Samba, and he's also a board of directors member of Conservancy. So I, obviously it's easy to ask him to do it because it's part of his role as being a director. And also Matthew Garrett uh, in, the, in the Linux community to, to speak up. And, and I felt those were the two I was going to ask and say, I need the two of you to say, hey, I, I'm doing this and I support that. And everybody else, I've, t I've left it to their option. And, and as, a, as we record this on the, on the Friday before the announcement, uh, I don't know who's going to speak up and who mm -hmm. isn't. They haven't said, and I haven't pressured anybody. But I, I think just, that's right. I mean, yeah. one of the advantages to having an organization like Conservancy be able to do this kind of work for you is that you don't have to be inundated with questions from other people about why why you're doing it and what for. They can ask conservancy and eventually if there are lawsuits, which hopefully all compliance will be achieved without any lawsuits, but if there are, then those people will ultimately be named, you yeah. know, and they'll agree to to have to be named in that way. Um, you know, and I, I think that's appropriate and, and good. I think that's another function of conservancy because I can tell you, you know, I mean as you know, Bradley just you know, just having your name out there as being associated with any particular position means you get inundated with emails from people and you barely have time to respond to them. I, I, I'm really sympathetic to developers who don't want to be identified in this context. 
Yeah. So I, I don't know. So I really don't know who's who's going to be out there. And and as as they identify themselves publicly, uh, basically unilaterally from from me, and they can they can do it or not as they wish. Um, I'll begin probably listing them in my. I'll have a right off list that will slowly grow. As I, I I have a pretty good inkling that there are two or three people I know that are going to immediately jump forward and and, and speak mm-hmm. out. Um, but uh, I, I again I don't I haven't told me for sure, and I've left it up to them. Um, so, I, I mean, I think that's pretty much everything that I wanted to cover, except for one last point that I think is really important to raise. And I think I've been bad about not raising this one point enough. Uh, and uh, it's one, actually, I should give give credit to Simon Phipps, who is very on this point a lot. He's right about it, which is that, that this, kind, this is such uh, insider stuff in some regard, because the amount of people, or sorry, not the amount, the number of people using free software and the number of people actually distributing free software are very different. There are there are a lot more people by orders and orders of magnitude using it on their own computers versus the number of people distributing it. The interesting thing about yeah. GPL is that GPL is uh, centered around the act of distribution uh, and modification too, but the, the real heavy requirements in GPL, the ones that require the most attention and work are with regard to distribution of binary versions. And the, if you try to count all GPL software users and then say, well, which percentage of those are distributing binary versions themselves? I don't know what that number is, but I would guess easily it's, it's below 10 and probably below 5%. Mm-hmm. And therefore, that means that for the average person using GPL software, they're unlikely to be facing the, the, the primary compliance issue that comes up, which is distribution of binary versions. Yeah. And, and so, and so for that reason, I think when people get these scare tactics around the GPL, it's like, well, you're, you're, you're being afraid of something that affects so few people. Yeah. Well, I mean, actually, to be fair, it affects the, the, that vast majority of people or that, that vast majority of users only positively, which is that, you know, where, you know, where there are licensing issues that are corrected, where the license is, is followed properly, those users have access to more software. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the ability improved, to build it and install it on the And it's improved computers. over time. And, you know, so it, the, the negative impact is just so minimal uh, when you look at the user base generally. Yeah. So, so I, I, and, and, but I think, I think Simon was, Simon's raised that point with me a number of times and has been actually quite frankly annoyed with me that I don't say it enough. And, and I think it's a reasonable point to raise. Um, uh, and, and I think the reason he raises it is primarily to tell people don't think about this compliance stuff and so forth. I mean, I think people should think about it, but I, I don't think it affects you as much as you think it might when you first hear about it. Yeah. I mean, I think that for companies, I think this is all the more important. I don't think, you know, I think people sometimes criticize compliance for um, for making companies choose not to use free and open source software because it's so scary. But I think actually it's quite the opposite. I think, you know, where the profile is higher, where you can quantify what the risks are, it means that companies will build in the right processes from the beginning of product life cycles. And yeah. then it becomes cheaper over time and compliance becomes more widespread. And there are companies out there that have built these processes. Uh, HP is an example I use a lot, yeah. who has a, has a complicated uh, uh, but, but functioning internal process to make sure that they do things in compliance. And when there's problems, HP fixes them very quickly. Google is similar in that regard. Yep. I think there are a lot um, of really good and, examples. And, yeah, I mean, yeah. pretty much if you name a company, IBM, I name any company that's been around uh, for a long time, they have these internal processes because they were here in the, in the space and, and distributing Linux systems early. And so they learned how 
how to do it correctly. Yep. And uh, and and that's that that's the primary distributors, and they're generally in compliance. And when they're out of compliance, it's fixed. It's Chris, fixed quickly. Chris, right? Chris DeBona loves to say he fixes every GPL compliance problem by the end of the business day, and uh, and I'm pretty sure that he has actually every time it's come up for Google, um, he's been able to do that. Now it's true that Google doesn't distribute that much, so. <laughs> they don't hit it that often, but uh, when they have distributed products and they've been out of compliance and been fixed, so uh, I think that's great. Uh, and and I think there are a lot of places that do Are you this. saying they don't, they don't distribute very much under the GPL? <laughs> yeah, well, they don't distribute very much, period. I mean, yeah. Google builds a lot of internal software. They do, It never sees yeah. the light of day. That's, I mean, that's, that's certainly true. That, I mean, that's... But a lot of stuff that gets released isn't under copyleft license. That's under some patch or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, that's getting... We listened to you know, cross-reference last episode of Fontana's talk about the right. more stuff being released right. under Apache, which I think he's right about when I talked about that last time. <laughs> um, so I, so I, I think that that's pretty much all I wanted to bring up. And as I said, we were recording this ahead of the announcement. I haven't seen it. Any of the stuff that's that you might have been seeing already today, listeners, in your uh, in the conversations online, and um, and I probably uh, and and I probably won't participate in those very much. I didn't participate very much in the LWN threads uh, a few months ago. Uh, I just don't see the value for conservancy for me to be in the middle of of, of back and forth with with people and a lot of comments which are, which are fud. I, I hope that that is not as fud laden as it was then. Um, I hope that this announcement sort of It's really hard to predict. Yeah, I hope so. But I think you're right. It's tough to know when to get involved and when not to because yeah. it sucks so much time. And then you find yourself suddenly having lost days of work. Yep. Um, and nothing gets done. Well, I made exactly two posts on LWN last time, so uh, so I probably won't do more than one this time. I would expect <laughs> if I do any. I won't hold you to it. So, but I, I think that there will be a lot of uh, a, a lot of our uh, folks who've been involved with us. Uh, the, getting involved in this program who, who actually come forward anyway. Um, uh, and, and, and Matthew, for example, who's involved was heavily involved in the LWN threads when they happened. Right. Um, because, because uh, so, so there already are folks who have been, uh, I, and, and I think that if folks have questions, uh, that they're, they're welcome to email logcast at fife.us if they want to ask the questions of me and Karen about this and any other topic. Yep. Uh, we have been just as a program note, we have been getting a, a more feedback than usual lately and emails and people mm -hmm. requesting various different types of topics. And, and so, um, I, we've responded in email to a few of them. I, I have, I've sort of pointed out the reason we haven't covered some of the more complex topics that are out there has been a, a basically a timing issue uh, for me and Karen with our day jobs. We, we, if it's, if it's not something that intersects our day job, uh, then it's tough for us to, to put the time aside to research something and we don't want to, give you a discussion about something we're not well informed on because that's just not right for you as listeners. Um, yeah. And it's tough for me as a lawyer, even though I'm not working as a lawyer most of the time now, I still do pro bono um, work and I do hold myself out as a lawyer um, when it's convenient. <laughs> so I need to make sure that when I do talk about something, I at least you know, I don't know. You probably hear me say all the time, well, I don't know too much about that. So I'm not going to, you know, and, and, and the, the point is, is that I get really, uh, when I get lawyerly, I get really nervous. So it's, it's tough to talk about things when I'm not really deeply familiar with them. Yeah. I, mean, I think the thing that the, uh, by far the thing people have been giving us a, the biggest, Hey, why haven't you covered about is, is Oracle v. Google, which I've actually, I've meant to tell you, I actually have done a lot of research on. Oh, okay. So, so maybe we'll, that's we good news. So, so, we'll, so but just we'll cause we, I feel like I needed to, you know, we needed to be familiar. Yeah, with I, I, I have not, I, things have been so busy at conservancy because uh, as, uh, as I've said, compliance stuff is not our primary activity. It's third on the list of things that we do. So not only have I been working on putting this coalition together and getting things worked out with 
that and doing the regular compliance activity that we're always doing, which again is third on our list. There's been plenty of conservancy conferences and other types of activities yep. that conservancies need to take care of. So I've just uh, been working so often. I don't want to turn this into the no, that show again. But but the thing uh, yeah. is, is I haven't actually followed myself. I haven't read the latest to the patent component of it yet. But I should also say that SFLC helped me with the research too. So so, so yeah, that so was pretty I, I, cool of them. Yeah. So I, I think that, that going forward, we have some guests uh, that we've talked with and, and we're getting them properly microphoned up and, and I hope that we'll have a couple of guest shows coming up. We'll hopefully have a couple of analysis shows. We'll try our best. Um, but we do do this for free at no charge for the world. We do this for love. I don't do it for love. I do it. I do it for love. I do it because it's, uh, because it's important. That's the I don't same. do anything for To me, love. that's the same thing. No. <laughs> I do it because it's, it's not, I'm very RMS in that way of thinking. I do it because it's the right thing to do. I think it's just semantics. Okay. Reason Freedom is produced by Dan Lynch of Pod Factory and can be found at podfactory.org. Thanks to Mike Tarantino for our theme music. This episode of Free as in Freedom is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 United States license. You can follow Free as in Freedom, Bradley, and Karen on Identica, and also read Bradley's and Karen's blogs. Links can be found on the Free as in Freedom website, faith.us. That's F-A-I-F dot us. That's F-A-I-F.us.